we're talking a lot about wellness and I always use as my barometer when business officers are talking about a topic like that that's outside of their direct portfolio, you know it's got to be pretty big. I just think MBOA uh, started with a community of committed business professionals that happen to work at independent schools. And I think 25 years later at the core, that's that's still who MBOA is. We're a bigger, it's a bigger core, which is good, but it's a it's a group of committed professionals that that this connection is invaluable to them. Welcome to Navigating Change. Today, Howard is speaking with Jeff Shields, NBOA president and CEO and longtime friend of this show, about all things independent school business, finance, and operations, including, and especially, the association's upcoming 25th anniversary celebration in Los Angeles, February 19th through 22nd. What's top of mind for business officers coming out of the pandemic after three years and the ongoing financial issues pre-K through 12 independent schools will face in the future? All that is on the table for today's conversation. And now, here's Howard Teibel and Jeff Shields. Thank you very much, Pete. Jeff, so great to see you and Happy New Year. Great to be here and Happy New Year to you too. 25 years NBOA anniversary upcoming. It's so exciting. 25 years ago, what were you doing? <laughs> 25 years ago, that's a great question. 1998, I was working for the National Association of Home Builders, believe it or not. My first association job. Uh, that's what I was doing in 1998. But at the same time, without me knowing, uh, MBOA was being created by 23 business officers who wanted a national organization to serve them and their colleagues because their, their jobs were in some ways mysterious to education. And, and what we both know, because I know you work with business officers in higher ed and in independent schools, their jobs were getting so much more complex. The compliance issues, the, the expanse of their portfolio, et cetera, et cetera. So they really were visionaries in saying, we really need a national association that speaks to us, that connects us, that allows us to share ideas and solutions, and that really supports us because no one grows up saying, I'm going to be an independent school business officer. So we really, in a lot of ways, have the responsibility to train, support, and advance this profession, this, this professional practice. And isn't that something that they would, they would, it would be so clear to them. Now, these are the best of the best, of course, but yeah, that's what happened in 1998 on a cocktail napkin. I always like to throw that in or several cocktail napkins is what I hear. Huge milestone for the association, and you've made it a central theme for this annual meeting, which is going to be happening in Los Angeles, California. So talk to me a little bit about the plans for the celebration. Our theme is Celebrate, um, which is really uh, interesting because last year we were in Chicago, our theme was Elevate. And the year before, during the pandemic, when we had to have an all-virtual conference, it was Innovate. 
So this is the trifecta of innovate, elevate, and celebrate. But this is probably going to be my favorite meeting uh, in Los Angeles. And, and really, it's a, you know, the annual meeting is always a celebration of the profession. It's always a celebration of our schools. It's a celebration of these incredible people that work in our schools. But, but really, this is also a little bit more geared towards the association itself. And in 1998, it essentially starts as a small business. I mean, associations are small businesses. And for this kernel of an idea to not just have survived, but you know, thrived, if I can say that in all humility, uh, for 25 years and has really kind of taken its place within our independent school community, that's that's something worth recognizing. And it's not, it's it's our success. It's our success. The members, the board, the visionaries of the founding members, the business partners, the great speakers we bring, um, it's gonna, it's gonna really ooze celebration and Los Angeles. Uh, in every aspect. Well, you know, I've been to a number of these annual meetings that MBOA puts on. And I got to tell you, it is not only uh, great content, it, it really is the case that these business officers and the people that work in their organizations, this is so important for them to be able to connect with each other uh, and not just to celebrate, to, to recognize that we've come through a lot. You know, here we're coming up on three years. Yeah. And in, in one breath, Jeff, it feels like it's been a lifetime with the last three years. Another breath, it feels like it's, it's gone like that. So it, what's what's so exciting, and I got to tell you, if you haven't been to one of these conferences, th- th- there's not only fantastic content, you have speakers that come that don't just talk about the business of an independent school. It's really about how to think differently and how to bring even our best selves to our work. Uh, that's something that that I think is so central to every time I've been to one of these conferences. And you've got three great keynotes, Sunil Gupta, Niall DeMarco, and Aaron Gruel. So why don't you speak a little bit about some of your keynote folks that you have coming to this? A hundred percent. So I, I I know I've shared with this this with you before, Howard, but the goal of the meeting is for the general sessions, the keynotes, the deep dives, help people think differently. And then the concurrent sessions are really help people do differently. So it's really, we have to hit both of those levels because we are talking about a profession that has a lot of technical issues, compliance issues, accounting, auditing, endowment management. I mean, obviously there's, there's really a lot, a a lot there that's technical and specific, but what's really interesting is reading these um, comments from the founding members as we're preparing to write the magazine uh, for the, for this uh, anniversary issue. They're all to a person saying the same thing. This profession is not about finance, accounting, and tax. This profession is about being a strategic partner to the head of school. This profession's about being a strategic partner to my colleagues on the leadership team and being a, a strategic partner to the board of trustees. And so we, we really do, though, have to uh, fire on all cylinders because there's some very technical aspects, but we want to make sure we get to strategy and leadership as well. So um, we think we're going to do that really well. We have the most and I might have said this in years previous, we have the most diverse lineup of general session speakers I think we've ever had. So we're going to kick things off with Sunil Gupta, who's a really interesting guy. And I know you'll appreciate this, Howard. His kind of claim to fame was he was a product leader at Groupon. So we all know Groupon, huge success, and then huge failure. 
No one talks about Groupon anymore. And so he's going to talk about kind of that lesson learned from that fabulous uh, failure that he had and, and really kind of tie that to the future of work, employee well-being, which is something that, you know, as we're coming out of the pandemic, someone's very concerned about. And he's going to, what I really uh, resonated with me, he's written a book called Backable, and it's how to sell ideas and get people to take a chance on you. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's fantastic. I also love that you you framed this fabulous failures, yeah. you know, because that's basically a way of saying we need to learn from things that happen that are are what we don't expect or want to have happen, because very often we treat these like things we have to avoid, mm-hmm. and and this is where we miss such an opportunity to grow as a team, as an organization, is to recognize these failures mm-hmm. are learning opportunities. It's easy to say that. It's another thing to practice that. Yeah, he's really going to bring that to the stage. And I'm really excited because I think about business officers often have to go into a room, whether it's leadership team, head of school, or the trustees, and sell an idea. We have to think differently about this. And how am I going to get you on board? And very often that thinking differently is through a financial or business or operational lens versus an educational lens. So I think it's really going to resonate with our audience. The second speaker, Niall DeMarco, you may not have heard of him, but I happen to be a personal fan. And I I believe the staff indulged me a little bit on this selection. But what's really cool about Niall uh, is that he is deaf. He won America's Next Top Model and Dancing with the Stars in the same year. So he is very L.A., ties in with Los Angeles. And what he's done, and you have to really wrap your head around winning two reality competitions in the same year and winning a dance competition, being completely deaf since birth. Um, and, uh, but he's taken this platform and really become an international advocate for the deaf and really his, his life story is so powerful and he really, uh, believes his, his deafness is, has been an asset throughout his whole life and not a limitation. And he's going to tell his personal story, which we always try and tie that into the leadership awards luncheon. And I think we'll get a lot of inspiration from him. And then we're going to wrap things up with Erin Gruwell, whose name may not be familiar, but uh, she is an educator and author. Uh, Hillary Swank uh, played her in the movie called Freedom Writers. And she will uh, really tug at your heartstrings, I think, when she shares her story and the important work her foundation is doing to advance equity and inclusion within education writ large. Uh, and she has a foundation that uh, she has founded to cr- to advance this work. And that's also going to be the philanthropy for the meeting. So folks will have an opportunity to contribute to her foundation. But we're really excited about what she's going to share and how she really created opportunities and created the love of learning, I guess, uh, among her students and has really kind of expanded that to create those same opportunities across the country. You know, it's a real opportunity for people to recognize it's not just important to come as an individual, but to even consider bringing members of your team. I'm curious if business officers increasingly recognize, and if you're looking also to have people come, not just as an individual, but to bring some of their folks to this meeting. Because part of what's so important about this is that you're going to learn this stuff on your own, but then you want to take them back to your organization. 
So, so have you found that more and more folks are saying, yeah, I should come here with a colleague or someone that, that reports to me so we can take these principles back to our organization? Yeah, we, we really have worked hard over the last several years so that MBOA is the professional home, not just to the business officer, but to the controller, to the human resources professional, um, anyone who performs a business operations function, to a lesser extent, facilities, technology, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that would be, that's ideal. That's my, that's my uh, happy space. If a school shows up and all three of those individuals are together, but even more so, um, heads of schools visit this meeting um, uh, and and other folks uh, uh, in the leadership team admissions or advancement to a much lesser extent. And that's kind of a double-edged sword, Howard, because, you know, the, the, the specialness of the annual meeting is business officers and HR professionals, controllers being together and being with people who speak their same language. So right. it's great to educate others. But I, I also like to think that these individuals who do what they do every day at their school deserve three and a half days just for themselves, just so they can be, nice. just so they can be fed. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a conundrum there, but yes, we, we, um, we're always gratified when people outside of our traditional audience come to the meeting. You know, you and I do this podcast probably once per year and we reflect on the last year and, you know, it's so fascinating to think about how do we move forward? What do we think about where we are and where schools are and need to be looking out over this next year? I'm curious if you are hearing some themes from different schools about where we are in the industry at this point. I was just talking about this yesterday with one of our members, and I would say it's a lot to do with wellness. We're talking a lot about wellness, and I always use as my barometer when business officers are talking about a topic like that that's outside of their direct portfolio, you know it's got to be pretty big. You know, it's, you know, it's really within the culture. And so I would say, obviously, our primary entree into that conversation is the business officer identifying the resources and the human resources professional who is very tied to the wellness of faculty and staff at their schools. And then obviously it bleeds into um, the, the needs of students. And we know, we know that. Uh, and I've described this before. I think we've all been through a trauma of sorts. I don't think we fully understand it because we're so close to it right now. Um, but students certainly have been through some kind of displacement, some kind of trauma. And so while we already, I would say before the pandemic, saw an increase in resources towards student support, um, I think schools are very, at least our schools are very tuned into um, identifying those resources and supporting students. But our interest primarily has been faculty and staff. So I hear a lot about wellness. I hear um, a lot about DEI because remember what happened during the pandemic. We had the George Floyd murder in the middle of a pandemic. And so uh, those two topics um, are probably uh, the biggest topics that I think schools are wrestling with. We've got, uh, I think schools are really putting the work in around DEI. I think they're having great conversations about it. Um, I think we all understand that progress is incremental, but everyone is very, I think, um, attuned to making progress and not allowing it to be kind of a uh, a flavor of the month or just a, a fancy statement we put on the wall, but really do the work to enrich our learning communities through faculty, staff, and students. 
uh, and, and live out our commitment to DEI. And I love that you you raise this wellness concern because I absolutely have seen this across the education landscape that when we meet with teams and work with organizations, whether it's uh, a K through twelve, a private university, uh, what they find themselves in when you get people to open up is a sense of coming out of a certain kind of isolation, right? And we are now at this point around hybrid working yep. that we have to make some decisions about what we're going to do about that to give people confidence in how we're how we want to move forward. Because yep. uh, sometimes people don't choose the best thing for them, right? Yep. This idea that you're going to work home all the time. Well, there's a place for that, right? Working in the office all the time also doesn't make sense. I think that the the window now, Jeff, has opened up that we can start making commitments about thinking about how to work differently, as opposed to it being something that's just on how people feel uh, about the nature of where they are and and what feels good. You know, people sometimes forget that when you're not around other people, you can really lose your sense of self. And uh, I think we're at a really great time. And that's why this conference is so important, because it is really about it it makes that reconnecting even more important. Well, we had we had a taste of it last year in Chicago, but I really feel like the community will will feel like they're coming together right now. But to your larger point about what we've been through and how it's impacted the workplace, I think that the pandemic uh, demanded uh, our organizations, our schools to be flexible. And what we found out was our faculty and staff, many of them liked it. And we also found out uh, many of our students and parents liked it too. So I think you're right. It's it's not an either or proposition. It's figuring out now that we've kind of tapped into that and that we've we've learned that we can educate differently and flexibly, what are we going to do with that? Um, and and what are our customers going to demand from us? And 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 how can we be an employer of choice? Because a school is a very traditional workplace, right? You show up, you park, you get there on time, you work all day, and you leave. I mean, it's a very traditional workplace. But but um, I think there's going to be the same pressures on schools for flexibility and and that online interaction. Uh, that there are in any organization like MBOA, like yours, like anyone's. In addition to what you just raised, which is central everywhere I go and everywhere you go around wellness, what are some other concerns that you're hearing uh, in independent schools that is going to get raised at this conference? Well, what's interesting is some of the challenges we had before the pandemic are the challenges we still have today. So the challenges with the rate of tuition, uh, the number of families that can pay that tuition, uh, our business model and the pressure we put on our business model uh, to make the whole enterprise work. Uh, And then with the backdrop, and it's probably more than a backdrop, of inflation, uh, I think that's that's really kept everyone peddling as fast as they can this year because they're making decisions now they're making decisions now about tuition next year and the costs of all goods and services, food, paper, supplies, everything. 
has gone up and the cost of uh, staff has gone up as well. So we're making, our schools are making decisions now about their tuition for next year, about their salaries for next year. Um, so those are some really interesting uh, challenges because we haven't had inflation like this for 40 years. And so what decisions, what choices are schools making with in, in this current environment? So I think um, some of the same challenges, but some kind of new challenges, but financial challenges, I don't think will ever go away. I've been doing this for 13 years, Howard, and we've been talking about financial sustainability and rising tuition for as long as I've been here. And, and the thing is, we make it work and we'll make this work. I'm confident we will, but uh, it doesn't mean we can put our head in the sand and avoid the obvious. And, you know, what you just raised, too, is that in many ways, if you, you know, you can look back in time when, when inflation was in double digits, mm-hmm. but we didn't, we, we didn't, we weren't adults at that point. I mean, we weren't running the organizations then. This is new territory for many folks. Right. So learning how to uh, make those decisions, in some cases, in the absence of enough information, you know, that's going to be the additional challenge that we face, the, the ways that we work together to accelerate tough choices. That That's another piece that's so central to this work. And that's leadership, isn't it, Howard? I mean, that's yeah. the difference. I mean, if there was a roadmap that I could just hand out to everyone to say, here's how you, here's how you do this, I'd, be, I'd gladly do it. But I think it takes leadership from from the business officer from their leadership team with the heads and trustees and you have to operate in ambiguity uh to a certain extent which i think is one of a key leadership trait your ability to do that because the road ahead is not crystal clear uh given the circumstances financially that we're operating within part of what makes that possible is that people are willing to experiment and practice new ways of working together Mm-hmm. Uh, what we call social practices. That sounds familiar. That sounds like your session at the upcoming meeting. Yeah, it, it is. And and you know we've been we've been really digging into this question of what does it really mean to transform as teams and individuals. We use the word transformation all the time. Right. We throw that around. Um, we have come to learn and practice in our leadership programs and also in our consulting and advising. This idea that it really starts with awareness, practice, which is the foundation for a social practice. What's a social practice? Social practice is something that is in the background. We don't have to think about, right? Closing the books, we do this. It's a practice. Onboarding an employee, it's a practice. Well, what would it mean to build social practices around how we work together? And a lot of that lives in language. You've had a taste of some of the ways we've talked about language as a powerful way that we move things forward. And so one of the things that we're going to do in in this deep dive is dig into this question is how do you build social practices that become in the background so that we can work effectively together, so we can make tough choices, that we can disagree and commit when it comes to making choices where we don't really know exactly how it's going to play out. So I'm really excited because your audience is – super receptive to this these kinds of conversations uh we have some of the most committed learners uh they show up 
They go to sessions all day long. They're always full. Uh, but particularly around how can they, um, how can, you know, their efficiency, how can they be more efficient? How can they be more effective? How can they, I would say, better support their team and better support their colleagues at their school? I think that's, I think that's a sweet spot for all of them, which is why they're attracted to sessions like yours and like the one you're going to be doing uh, with us in Los Angeles. Well, I'm really excited to be there. Um, and, I, you know, as I, as I reflect on sort of wrapping this up, is there anything that you'd want people to know uh, or hear from you about where we are? I mean, at the core of this is that it really is coming together and celebrating the relationships and the commitment to independent schools, which is so exciting, Jeff. And you guys do an incredible job of putting on these events. Anything you want to share to wrap this up? I just think MBOA uh, started with a community of committed business professionals that happen to work at independent schools. And I think 25 years later at the core, that's that's still who MBOA is. We're a bigger, it's a bigger core, which is good, but it's a it's a group of committed professionals that that this connection is invaluable to them because they can't walk down the hallway and talk to another CFO. Like a teacher can walk next door and say, how's it going? How's your math class going? Or how's your English class going? The CFO can very much feel like they're on an island. And so having these connections, like to your point, how the pandemic limited these connections and how, at least for MBOA, um, they're, they're starved for them and they really, they really rely on them to a certain extent. And I, I'm really pleased that the annual meeting provides that that kind of energy, that kind of connection every year for our members. And, to, and it's going to be in Los Angeles. When was the last time you were in L.A.? I think it was excited. 2016. Yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, yeah. uh, we were in Chicago last year, so I would say folks have earned a trip to Los Angeles in February for sure. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for, for reintroducing what's coming uh, up in this program and uh, I am so excited and I know the people who are going to be coming to this are going to get such great value of this and we'll uh, we will reconnect with you uh, when we see you in a month or so sounds like a plan we'll see you in February February 19th to the 22nd in Los Angeles MBOA annual meeting celebrate <music>